what makes a great game. First, it shouldn't finish before it's even started. Even if you're not as good as your opponent, there should still be a chance that you can win. Second, it mustn't finish before it ends. The best games are those in which right up to the last move there remains a chance that anyone could win. This means that the best games invariably include an element of chance. And yet, third, chance alone is not enough. There should be some role for strategy and agency, or else the player is converted into little more than a machine implementing the rules of the game. Fourth, simplicity should give rise to complexity. Simple rules allow you to get playing quickly, but the variety provided by multiplying possible outcomes makes a game worth returning to again and again. Fifth, a good story is paramount. No need for castles and goblins, but still, like a good piece of mathematics, a rewarding game traces a compelling narrative arc. My first game on our journey around the world, I believe, ticks all these boxes. It is one of the most perfect games, and also, it turns out, one of humanity's most ancient. 1. Backgammon 15 black checkers, 15 white checkers, a board with 24 elongated triangles. The pieces race in opposite directions, determined by the throw of two dice. Land on your opponent's lone checker, and that piece is sent back to the beginning of the race. The game couldn't be simpler, and yet in each of the thousands of matches I've played, the story is different every time. Backgammon is full of drama, twists and turns. As in the mathematics of chaos, small changes can send the game in completely new directions. The lead can shift dramatically with a roll of the dice. A beginner has the chance to beat an expert, and even when the dice seem against you, strategic play can still give you the upper hand. Backgammon is a game I came to quite late in life while living in the Middle East. I was taught the game by a Bedouin in the desert who was able to communicate the rules to me in very minimal English. Within a matter of minutes, we were quickly gaming away with little effort, and I haven't stopped since. The richness of this game is in how simple it is to grasp, yet also how complex it is to play. It is also apt that I first learned this game in the Middle East, because, as I will reveal, it evolved from the very first games played by the great civilizations of Babylon and Egypt. It wasn't games, but mathematics that first took me to the region. As a doctoral student, I kept reading the papers of a mathematician who clearly was on the same wavelength as I was. We thought the same way. We were both obsessed by the same structures. It was like we were players of the same esoteric mathematical game and once we knew about each other, it was clear we had to meet. Although united by mathematics, it turned out that we were divided by politics. The mathematician was an Israeli settler on the West Bank. I'd been brought up on a diet of left-wing politics in Oxford, fuelled by the injustices of the Margaret Thatcher years. But the beauty of mathematics and games is that they provide a neutral, universal territory in which opposites can meet. 
I travelled out to Israel to spend my first years after finishing my doctorate collaborating with this mathematical brother whom I had uncovered while reading the journals housed in our library in Oxford. My time at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem was not confined to mathematics alone, and I loved travelling through the region to Jordan, Syria and Egypt, and especially staying with the Bedouin in Sinai. I was enjoying following in the footsteps of Lawrence of Arabia, whose portrait in Bedouin dress adorned the walls of my college in Oxford. And the most popular game that I found in the cafes of the Middle East was backgammon.